Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Emily, like Chris said, and I'm so glad that you have decided to join us this morning. Uh, so you're probably all wondering why you have a rock, right? Well, um, back in ancient times, they had this practice where if somebody committed a crime, they would put them in front of everybody and they'd throw a rock at them. So we're going to bring Caleb back out here and we're going to demonstrate this. Right? No, I'm just kidding. We're not throwing rocks at him. Although some of you were a little too excited about that. I'm kind of worried. Um, no, we're not throwing rocks at anybody. But there is a very important reason why you have that rock. And I'm going to tell you what that is later. So just hang on to your rock and you'll have to live in suspense until then. Um, before we go much farther into the teaching, there's something that you need to know about me. So I have a horrible memory. I've always been that way ever since I was a kid. My dad used to call me the absent-minded professor because I would like I could memorize things for a test at school, but then I would forget silly things like bringing my lunch. And I tell you what, it has not gotten any better as I've gotten older. As I've had two kids and gone through pregnancy brain and mommy brain twice, it's just my memory is hanging on by a thread. I, uh, I've locked my keys in my car so many times that I'm on a first-name basis now with my locksmith. It's really embarrassing. Um, all the time, I, I have a terrible memory. Actually, just a few weeks ago, and this is really embarrassing, I had some family in town, my parents and my sister, and uh, we decided we were all going to take the kids to the Muncie Children's Museum. So we got in the car, and we couldn't all fit in one car, so my parents and uh, sister followed us. And we headed out to the Children's Museum. And mind you, this is only five minutes away from our house, okay? So I'm driving, and um, we're on the way. Everything's good. And then my husband, Mikey, looks at me and says, where's your parents' car? And I was like, oops, I, uh, I forgot they were following me. <laughs> and he's like, Emily, you've only been driving for two minutes. Like, how could you have forgotten already? But I did. Well, luckily, my sister texted Mikey um, and said, oh, sorry, guys, we lost you. And I was like, yes. Yes, they lost us, and that's our story. That's what we're sticking with, and uh, it all worked out. Um, I wish I could say that was the only time that happened while they visited, but it wasn't. Definitely happened again. I just have a, a horrible, horrible memory, and uh, people keep telling me that it's not going to get any better as I get older, so I'm kind of stuck with it. So I have to do things to try to help me uh, remember things. So one of the things I do is I put reminders on my phone um, to remind me at different times. And uh, even today, I counted 15 different reminders just for today to help me get through the day. It's just something that I have to do. But, you know, I don't think that I'm alone in this. I think that a lot of us have short-term memory loss when it comes to the things that God has done in our life. You know, we are so quick to forget the times that God has been faithful and the times that he has come through and met our need. But we are so quick to remember our disappointments and our fears and our failures. Maybe you can relate. Maybe there's a time or a situation in your life where God has come through again and again and again, but that same situation comes up and all of a sudden you're panicking, you're worried, you get angry, you, you complain, whatever it is. And that's why I think it's so important that we remember the times in our life that God has been faithful. So there's this old saying that your history teacher probably told you, like when you were studying for an exam, um, and it's, uh, it goes like this. We'll see if you can remember it. Those who don't know their history are doomed to repeat it, right? But I think with God and what he does in our life, the opposite is true. And this is our big idea for today. So if you want to write this in your program or on the app, you can do that now. And it is this, that those who know God's history 
are destined to repeat it. Those who know God's history are destined to repeat it. Those who remember the times that God saved the day, he, he met the need, he mended the heart, he healed the relationship, he healed the sickness, whatever it was, are able to have a greater faith to believe that he will repeat it in the future. So how do we do that? How do we keep those times in our memory when God has come through for us? So to answer that question, we're going to look at a character in the Bible named Joshua, uh, whose story is found in, surprise, surprise, the book of Joshua. And I love the character of Joshua. He's one of my favorite characters, um, so much so that I named my son after him, actually. I think we have a picture of him. There he is. That's Joshua. And um, I just love Joshua in the Bible. He's not the most exciting character, and he doesn't have such a colorful past as some of the other ones in the Bible. But he was just a really consistent guy, and he was faithful. He wasn't perfect, but he tried to do the right thing. And um, because of that, God did some really amazing things through him. Now, you may not have heard of Joshua, um, but you might have heard of a guy named Moses. He's a pretty... um, big name in the Bible. Um, Moses was the one who God spoke to through the burning bush. And then he went to Pharaoh of Egypt and said, let my people go. And then they went into the desert and um, they parted the Red Sea and walked in the middle of it. He was the one that God gave the stone Ten Commandments to. So that was Moses. You may have heard of him, um, but you may not have heard of Joshua. So Joshua was an Israelite that was under the leadership of Moses. And we start out the book of Joshua, Joshua with Honestly, kind of a downer. Um, Right there, first chapter, second verse, here's what God says um, to Joshua. Very inspiring here. He says, Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Doesn't mince words, just puts it out there. He's dead. And then he goes on and throws another big whammy at Joshua and says, Therefore, the time has come for you to leave these people, the Israelites. So he basically says, Josh, Moses is dead, and you're up. You're in charge now. And, you know, I think for Joshua, that probably seemed like a huge task, that here he is all of a sudden in charge of some 600,000 different Israelites that are hungry and tired and whiny and smelly, and, and he's the one that's responsible for leading them into the promised land. And it probably felt like the weight of the world was on his shoulders. And maybe for some of you, that's how you feel today. Maybe you are standing at the starting line of 2020 and you don't know how you're going to do it. You have no idea how you're going to make this journey. Maybe you um, have a job that you don't feel qualified for. Maybe there's this mountain of debt that you don't know how you're going to pay. Maybe it's a relationship that seems irreparable or an illness that has made you feel like you're in a prison and you don't know what you're going to do. Well, luckily, God didn't stop there in his advice to Joshua. He went on and gave him some instruction. And um, he, he gave him a promise that if he lived this out, that he would be successful on his journey with the Israelites. And I think this applies to us as well, and that if we can put this into practice, that we can be successful, at least in God's eyes, in this next year. And so let's take a look at his advice to Joshua. So God told Joshua, For I will be with you. As I was with Moses, I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. 
Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything that you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to do everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So Joshua takes these words with him and he carries it with him on his journey with the Israelites so that he's able to remember God's history so that they can be destined to repeat it. And so he tells the Israelites to pack up their stuff and he said, let's go. We're going on this journey to the promised land. So they start on this journey. Three days in, they hit their first obstacle. And it's a big obstacle. It's the Jordan River. Okay, and the Jordan River, it was about 100 feet wide, 10 feet deep, so a big obstacle um, any time. But during this time of year, it was in, in flood stage, so it was overflowing its banks. And there is really no way that they could get across without some kind of boat or something which they did not have. So here he is three days into his journey with an impossible task ahead of him. So faced with this, Joshua remembers the words that God gave him when he said, For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. And Joshua remembered about 40 years before when Moses, his predecessor, stood in front of another very large body of water, the Red Sea. And he remembered that Moses prayed and that he looked up to heaven and that he raised his staff and that the Red Sea was parted in two and every single Israelite was able to walk through that on dry land. And he remembered that and he knew that if God did it before, that he could do it again. And he put his faith in that. And then he remembered God's words that he spoke to them. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. And so Joshua took courage, and he started out to that Jordan River with the Israelites. And then he remembered more of the words that God had given him. He remembered these words. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. And he went on and he said, "Um, This is my command. Be strong and be courageous. So Joshua knew that the key to crossing the Jordan River would be to have confidence in the words of God. So here's what he did. He got the priests that were in Israel. Um, which are kind of like the pastors of that day, and he told them to go and to get the Ark of the Covenant. So the Ark of the Covenant was just like this really ornate box, and in it, it contained some objects that were spiritually significant to the Israelites, one of which was the Tablets of the Covenant. And these tablets were these stones that God had given to the Israelites, and on it, he had written his instruction and his promise to them. And so these promises of God, these words of God, were inside of this Ark of the Covenant. And he told the priests to lift up this Ark of the Covenant and to walk down to the Jordan River holding that Ark of the Covenant up. And this is where the story um, gets really cool. So in Joshua 3, we read that it was the harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up at a great distance, and the water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. So as soon as those priests' feet touched the water, the river began to dry up. And it goes on to say that every single Israelite 
walked across that dry ground safely to the other side. And then um, Joshua, um, God asked Joshua to do something kind of strange. Um, He says this in in Joshua 4. Um, When all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Now choose 12 men, one from each tribe. Tell them, take 12 stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out and pile them up at the place that you will camp tonight. So these 12 men, they went, they collected these 12 stones right from the river, right next to where those priests' feet were, and they piled them up at their camp. And then as the Israelites crossed the river and they went to their camp that night, um, Joshua said to them, In the future, your children will ask, what do these stones mean? And then you can tell them, this is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord, your God, dried up the river right before your eyes, and he kept it dry until you were all across, just as he did at the Red Sea when he dried it up until we all had crossed over. He did this so that all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful. So these stones that they piled up were to be able to come a memorial for the Israelites so that for years to come they could remember God's history so that they would be destined to repeat it. So my question for you today, if you're standing in front of some big obstacle or in front of this year 2020, is what are your rocks? What are those times when God has answered a prayer, when he's come through for you and been faithful? What are those rocks? You know, for me, I have a lot of rocks in my life. It's not because of anything that I've done. It's just because God has been really good and really faithful to me. And so what I want to do today is just share with you a couple of my rocks in hopes that it'll remind you of some of yours. So the first rock in my life is the rock of my story. And uh, that's your next fill-in if you want to write that down in your program. The rock of my story. And anybody here who has um, decided to follow Jesus, you have the same rock. And if you don't, then I hope you can be encouraged by mine today. So my rock of my story starts out um, that I was uh, raised in a a Christian home. Um, My parents loved Jesus. They were not perfect, but they tried to follow him the best that they could. And um, I was also part of a really awesome church and uh, really just involved in the church and got baptized and I was leading Bible studies and going on mission trips and all of this cool stuff and everything was really great. And then I graduated high school and I went to college. And while I was there, um, for some reason, I went through this really kind of dark time um, of depression and I started to have doubts about my faith and to question what I believed. And uh, it got to the point where I no longer believed in God. And I kind of kept that to myself, and it was a very uh, difficult thing for me. Um, This had been such a big part of my life. So I graduated from there. I went on to become a teacher, and I was still living in this, this darkness and this doubt. And the weird thing about it was, even though I didn't believe in God, I would still pray to him. Um, But my prayers would be kind of like, God, I don't believe in you, but I want to, and I just can't. And I want to follow you. I just, I just don't. And I, just, I don't see how I can. And I would always pray, God, just don't let me fall away from you. I don't want to fall away from you. And I would just say that to him, even though I didn't even believe in him. So this kind of went on. And then one day, a lady named Kim um, invited me to a prayer meeting, a women's prayer meeting. And so I told her I would come along, and I kind of sat there through the meeting. And at the end of the meeting, I got up to leave. 
And a woman named Joe, who was leading the meeting, uh, came over to me and said, Emily, can I pray with you? And uh, I said, sure. And so she started to pray with me. And as she was praying, she said, Emily, I think God wants you to know that he is never going to let you fall away from him. He loves you too much, and you're too precious to him. And I knew in that moment that there was no way that she could have known what I prayed in the privacy of my own room. And I knew that even though I had doubts, even though it didn't all make sense, I knew that God still loved me and that I could have a relationship with him. And that, for me, has been a rock in my life. And when times come where those doubts come back up and I wonder, does God love me? Is he even real? I go back to that rock and it gives me faith and it gives me confidence in my relationship with him. So what is your rock? What is your story? When was the time where God showed you grace and forgiveness when you deserved it the least? Whatever that is, remember it. Write it down, record it on video, share it with somebody, tell it to your family, tell it to your friends, whoever you can, because that will encourage you on those days where you feel like, you know what, I've, I've screwed up so much, God's never going to take me back. You know, or is God even real? You can go back to that rock and it will encourage you. And when you share that, then other people can be encouraged by that as well because they might be feeling the same way. So I got the opportunity to share my story a couple uh, months ago um, with when I was at a dinner with my family together. And um, I have a daughter who's five. Her name is Autumn. And my husband, Mikey, and I had been talking about, you know, I think, oh, there she is. Um, I think that um, Autumn is old enough that she's ready to hear our story. You know, maybe not exactly what I just told, but a simpler version of that. And so we decided, you know, we're going to tell her our story. So um, at dinner that night, I told Autumn, just kind of the story about how I I doubted and how God showed me his love. And then my husband, Mikey, was able to share his story um, with her about how um, he was uh, just a rude and and cruel person with a lot of nasty habits and how he had gone to this music festival and met Jesus and it had completely changed his life and he had never been the same since. And so we shared this with her. And then um, Autumn, in her own sweet little way, um, shared her story with us and told us how uh, she was laying in bed one night and she knew that she wanted Jesus to be her friend and so she asked him to come into her heart and um, and that was her story and I just it was a really cool night and I thought about that later on about how we shared our stories with each other and it reminded me of when Joshua had said share this with your children share what these rocks mean with them and pass that on to them. And it was a really, really cool thing. And so I want to encourage you, share your story with your kids, with your, with your friends, with your family, with whoever it is, anybody who will listen, and allow that to be a rock in your life. So one of my rocks is my story. Another rock in my life has been answered prayers. And you can uh, write that down. It's your next fill in there. So I don't know about you, but there's times when I pray for something and I pray over and over and over and it just seems like nothing's happening. Like my prayers are just hitting the ceiling and it's not working. And one of those times has been um, with my friend Alice. So I met Alice about five years ago or so at a women's shelter in town. My uh, small group had gone there to do a game night and she was just really cool. Like I clicked with her right away. She was really intelligent and um, funny and creative And so we became friends, and we'd hang out at game night, and sometimes we'd go get lunch or whatever, 
and hang out there. So one day I decided to invite her to church. And her exact words were, no thanks, I'll pass. And I was like, oh, okay, guess I kind of hit a nerve there. Um, but we kept, you know, being friends and hanging out and getting to know each other. And I learned as I got to know her a little bit better that she in the past had been very hurt by people in the church who said that they loved Jesus. And uh, she didn't want any part of that again. Um, but we continued to be friends, and I'd invite her to church, and she'd reject me, and we, we kept becoming friends. And um, then one day, just out of, the, out of the blue, several years later, I got a text from Alice, and um, she said, um, well, she told me something really, really painful and difficult that had happened in her life that had rocked her world. And um, she asked me, she told me she wanted to come to church, and she asked if I would pray with her. And I was kind of shocked that she would ask me to pray with her. Um, So she did. She came to church, and then afterwards we met um, to talk. And um, we talked more about what had happened to her. And um, I I prayed with her. And then I asked her just about her faith, like, you know, hey, what do you you believe? And she said, "Um, I'm an agnostic, so I believe there's something out there, but I don't really know what it is. Um, And that's kind of where I'm at. And then I was able to share with her my story that I just told you um, about my own doubts and and kind of how I came to faith through that. And um, we talked some more, and then I just told her the truth. I said, Alice, I love you, and you matter to me. And that was kind of it, and, you know, we went our separate ways. Um, She came to church a few times after that, and then there was a span of about, six weeks or so where she wasn't at church and I didn't hear anything from her. I couldn't get a hold of her. I was kind of worried, um, but didn't hear anything. And then one day she popped up at church again and said, um, hey, Emily, can we talk after church? I want to tell you something. So after church, we sat down together and she said, Emily, I want you to know um, where I've been these last six weeks. She said that um, I had been in the hospital because I wanted to take my life. And she said, Emily, I was lying in my hospital bed, and I was begging God to just let me die. And she said, the only thing that came to my mind was you saying to me, you matter to me. And she said, Emily, it was this powerful moment with God. And um, she said, I decided after that that I wanted to come back to the church that I had left when I was a child. And I said, Alice, that's awesome. I'm so glad. Like, you want to come back to the church? I said, what about God? Like, where does he come into place here? And um, she said, you know, I always, deep down, I think I always believed in him, but I never felt close to him, but I do now. And we cried together, and I hugged her, and it was this really cool moment. Um, And God did some amazing things in our life. But, you know, looking back four years earlier, I never thought that would have happened. I didn't think God heard any of my prayers that I I had prayed. I didn't think anything was ever going to change. But it did, and he did. He answered that prayer. And so that has become a rock in my life. And when times come where I'm praying and praying, it just seems like nothing's happening and God doesn't care, I go back to that rock of what God did in Alice's life. So what are your rocks? What are those times when God has come through for you and he's answered a prayer and he's been there and he's gotten you through it 
whatever those are, remember those rocks. Write them down. Share them with somebody. And if you don't have any rocks, if God's not answered any prayers in your life, then find somebody who you know who follows Jesus and say, what are your rocks? How has God answered your prayer? What has he done for you? That's the thing I love about small groups is that we can come together and say, hey, you know what? You've been through that. I went through that same thing. Here's how God answered that prayer. Or God has helped me through this. And their rocks can be your rocks. And we can encourage each other in that. And it's a powerful thing. So the rock of answered prayers has been a rock for me. Um, Another rock for me has been God's promises in the Bible. So um, these last few weeks, there's been one in particular verse, one promise in the Bible that has really helped me to just have joy and hope in life. And um, see, I'm the kind of person that I have the tendency when I look at the future to expect the worst thing to happen. And I prepare myself for the worst thing to happen, and that makes me really anxious. And I start to just almost dread the future and dread what's coming. And it's not a great way to live that way. But I read this um, promise in the Bible the other day in Second Chronicles, and this is what it says. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the battle is not yours, but God's. And this has been a huge reminder to me that whatever is coming up in the future, whether it's something with my kids or um, with my husband or a a conversation that I have to have or an event that I'm in charge of or whatever it is, that I can trust that the battle is God's and that he is fighting for me, he's defending me, and I can trust him with that. And this has helped me so much to not think that I have to live in defeat but to know that I can live every day in victory, knowing that God can do great things and that I can expect him to do great things. And so what I did is I wrote the word victory on this rock. And I'm going to take this rock and I'm going to put it on my nightstand so every day I can wake up and I can see this rock that says victory and believe that God is going to do great things in my life and I can trust him for victory. And so as we close today, I want you to ask this question to yourself. What is the one word that you need to remember in this next year? So maybe for you, maybe your word is peace. Maybe you need to remember that when you worry, that when you're afraid, that God is with you and that you can have peace in that time. Or maybe your word is is trust that, you know, maybe everything's falling apart right now and just the foundation is gone. But God has been there for you in the past and you can trust that he'll be with you through this time. Or maybe your word is strength and you are just going through something that is just so hard, but you can look back at that time when, you know what, that was the most difficult situation in my life and I lived to tell about it and God brought me through it and he can give me strength and he can strengthen me for whatever comes in the future. But whatever it is, whatever that word is um, that you need to remember in this next year, there's a promise that I want to give you from God's word. And it comes from Hebrews 13, 8. And it says this. It says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That same God that split the Red Sea, that same God that parted the Jordan River so the Israelites can walk through, he is the same God today. And whatever your situation is, he can part that and he can make a way through that. If he did it before, he can do it again. And you can have faith in that. So in a minute, I'm going to ask you to 
ask yourself that question. What word do I need to remember in this next year? And that rock that we gave you earlier, I want you to write that word on that rock. And then later on, I want you to find a verse that can be a promise for you to go along with that word. If you can't think of any, just go on Google and search your word and something will pop up. Get a verse for that word and then take that rock and put it somewhere where you can see it every single day. And it can be an encouragement to you and remind you that you can trust in God's faithfulness. Now, some of you might be thinking, Emily, I don't have a history with God. There's no history for me to remember. I've never, I've never known God, or I did a long time ago. I walked with him then, but nothing's happened since. And if that's you, then maybe your rock is today. Maybe this is the day where you say, you know what? I've been trying to do this life on my own, and it's just not working out for me. Today's the day I need to just say, you know what, God? You can do a much better job. I surrender my life to you, and I want you to take it, and I want to follow you. And if that's true for you, then I want you to take your rock and just put today's date on it. one January 5th, 2020. So that you can look back on this day and say, this was the day that God did a great work in my life. And that I was never the same. So we're going to turn the lights down and Caleb's going to play a song. And I want you to just ask God, what is that word that I need to remember in the next year? And write that down or write today's date if today is your day. So go ahead and do that now. Walking around these walls I thought by now they fall but you have never failed me yet. Waiting for change to come, knowing the battle's won.
God, we thank you that you always keep your promises to us. We thank you that you guide us and that you give us courage. I pray for each person here that you would show them what their rock is for 2020, Lord, and they would carry it with them into this next year, and they would be encouraged, Lord, in your faithfulness. And if today is your day and you've decided you're ready, you're ready to hand things over to God, and you wrote today's day on that rock, then I want to lead you in a prayer. Um, it's, it's not my prayer, it's your prayer, um, but I'll just give you the words so that you can start that relationship with Jesus. And no one ever prays alone here at the jar. We always pray together. So I'm going to ask you all if you would pray this with me and repeat it after me. Dear God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for giving your life for me. I believe that you died and rose again so that I could be forgiven. I ask you to forgive me and make me new. Fill me with your spirit so that I can know you and follow you. I commit my life to you. 